0: You're listening to Ask Your Autist, a X mental health podcast. I'm Michelle Mercado Martinez. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. And I am Cynthia Ciadad. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And a little disclaimer, the information contained on this podcast is for educational and informative purposes only, and is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional mental health. This content is not intended to be a replacement for therapy, diagnosis, treatment, advice, or psychological care.
1: This podcast does not constitute a therapeutic relationship and is not implied to be professional mental health, medical, legal, or other advice. These platforms are intended to provide education about mental health, psychology, and general therapy information.
0: If you are in a crisis, please call 911 or visit your nearest emergency department. If you're not in immediate danger, but would like someone to speak with, you can reach the National Suicidal Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-237-8255. I'll start. So I am Michelle Mercado Martinez. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist located in San Diego. Wait. I used to be in San Diego. I grew up in San Diego. I am now in the Menifee area Uh Uh, and I want to acknowledge that I'm a settler on Luiseno land. Uh, My pronouns are she, her, hers. Currently, I am just working on running my private practice and trying to find a balance with running a practice, being a mom, all of my other different identities. uh, So not to like burn myself out, but still trying Mm -hmm. to give back uh, in a way that feels good and feels right for me. Um, yeah. So with that being said, like I tried last year to do a lot of projects, get a lot, get involved in a lot of different community things. This mm. year, not so much. This actually feel pretty much like a hermit crab, except for this project. So I'm actually <laughs> very excited <laughs> yeah. to be a part of this because it's like, okay, I have to step back into the world. I've done enough resourcing, time to uh put myself back out there again. And uh here I am. So again, thank you for for this invitation to join you in this yeah. beautiful offering that we can give to our community.
1: Yeah. And I think you and I talked about that, like the need to like not take all the things on. I think we were talking about it in wow. consultation and we were like, I think we both went into like hermit land. <laughs> for for a little while afterwards <laughs> yeah
0: you know it was like when I launched my practice it was like go 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 and I was like oh shit I'm tired yeah it was like I need to pull back yeah right? and then I was in the middle of a move and it was that's right was all the things happening and yeah. then I had to move back to my parents house for a bit and it was like Oh, I remember some of the things that happened growing up here.
1: (laughs) So yeah. Uh, uh, There's a lot to show up right there. (laughs) And you're like, and you're like, okay, and I get to meet with my clients now. Okay. Well yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) So it's like, oh let's parallel process right
0: now. (laughs) Just kidding. No, but I my own work <laughs> on my own time, just to clarify. <laughs> yes, but so that's that's yeah. me in the nutshell. So I'm very awesome. excited to join you on this
1: journey. Yeah. And how about we hear about you? Yeah. So I am Cynthia dot. I am a licensed clinical social worker, and I also have my own private practice, Living Fully Therapy. Um, I am a uh, settler on Tongva land so in Los Angeles area G- Tongva and Gabrielino um, and so thank you to those people for taking care of this land that I get to live breathe and work on. I focus my work with high achieving caregivers mostly because I used to to identify and I still identify as a high achieving caregiver so that is where I focus my work and then projects I'm working on I think similarly I scaled back quite a bit I mean like I started our Philippinex consultation group last year or two years oh god two years year I, don't know.
2: Years? I okay. don't know okay
1: maybe I don't know but it's been a while yeah. Um and and I started that and that was great. And I was like, okay, I need to scale back <laughs> because I was at a group practice and I was running that and I was trying to do writing. It, it was one of those things that I just found over the years. I have like this habit. I think this is what you and I talked about. It's like this habit of like, I gotta do something. I gotta do I don't know, gotta do something important. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it just, yeah, it just got me all wrapped up. So I think those things, um, other parts uh, to know about me, I am a mom of a now 10 month old, which is wild. And today he kind of cruised, you know, it's was like he, oh. like took his steps sideways. And I was like, oh my God, I took out my camera and he stopped so I couldn't record him. Um, it's like a lesson, stay in the moment, don't just pull out your camera. And I'm a queer identifying cis gendered woman. So I really, yeah, I, I think that has been a part of my identity that I think I always had a hard time with. Like I had a hard time acknowledging, but now I feel much more strongly about being able to identify myself as a queer, cisgendered Filipina woman. There's a lot of women in that, which is awesome. Um, And I'm proud. I'm proud. So, uh, so that's me. Uh, Is there any other projects? I'm doing some speaking things, but they're very, like, I just did one for the Filipino, Chamber of Commerce of Los Angeles. And that was just lovely. I loved doing that. That was a lot of fun the other night. So that's me. Can I just uh,
0: note how comprehensive your <laughs> introduction what? was? compared to like, uh,
1: hi. <laughs> my- uh, hi. <laughs> I didn't even, I but you know what? I forgot. I didn't even like be like, I didn't even share my like pronouns. I'm a she, her, her. I mean, I guess you got that from most of it, but like, it's a lot, but
0: that's how complex we are, man. Yes, it is. Like, cause I know that I didn't even touch
1: on like my population specialties or any of those things. I figure we'll, we'll, we'll cover that over time. Oh yeah. No, tell me, tell us, tell us what are your population specialties, please? You know, I think
0: it's, Very similar to what you were saying with the things that you worked on, because I found that the people that I just like love, love, love working with are the people that I like I was on the same path, but I'm just years a little bit ahead yeah because yeah. of the own work that i had to do so a lot of my clients end up being people that are working through decolonization they're working on intergenerational trauma mm-hmm. they're looking at different attachment patterns Uh, um, mm-hmm. so that's kind of like my sweet spot of like ooh, you want to talk about any of those things let's talk let's let's do
1: this. yeah it's like i am here I'm for it yes
0: yes so
1: <laughs> no that is totally how We've developed, it sounds like both of us developed our specialties is like, we know that experience and like, same, like I will tell my, I just told my client the other day, it was like, I am with you on this road. I mm-hmm. am just a little bit further down. That's it. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. And let's see, what would you say in terms of like your identity? How has that been a part of your work as a practitioner or not? Oh, that is such a rich question,
0: Uh, only because who I was as a practitioner when I first started Mm -hmm. is so different than who I am now Um, Mm -hmm. didn't have any kind of idea of decolonization I was still very much so into prioritizing my intersections versus being able Mm -hmm. to just show up fully me and authentically me in and outside of sessions so Mm -hmm. a lot of the bullshit like blank slate you can't uh, like show too much of yourself yeah it was very much so in my head like with my train like the you know with grad school and all of that Mm. stuff i think Mm -hmm. that my program was probably um (laughs) more on the conservative side from what i remember uh, especially since that was even a thing but i know that there are clinicians now out there that aren't really paying attention to this whole idea of blank slate because honestly how can we show up and walk anyone through anything if we
1: aren't us yeah it's like who are they walking with a blank yeah. slate? That doesn't sound good. No. I, I mean, not to me. I know that it's for some folks, but it does not sound good. Yeah, but it probably is.
0: It probably is for some folks, but definitely not for the clients that I have because I know yeah. all of my clients are like, I am so glad that you're just so you. It's like, well, yeah. thank you for seeing that. Because otherwise, I just I couldn't. I couldn't, like, just sit and just be reflective, yeah. right? Like, there, yeah. that is important. Like, we need to mm-hmm. be reflective, yes. And at the same mm. time, how can I not fully give of myself if I'm really trying to make impact? Yeah, yeah.
1: That is the only... Ugh. And I find it is also really easy. Like, if I show up as my full self, I am literally not having to, you know, that, that sense of like compartmentalization. It's like, I am like holding myself back. Like that level of energy that that takes is so exhausting. And so I find like, if, yeah, if I'm able to like, let myself just show up, man, I have so much energy. I have so much more energy for, Mm -hmm. for not just my work, but like for my family, Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think that sometimes this can get
0: confused with like, well, it's not about me and my things that I'm working on. I'm still showing Mm. up fully as a clinician. I know how to clear myself out of all of the things that I'm working on, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that I'm not showing up as all of my identities. Yeah. So I think that that's, and that's so important too. I mean, this is kind of (laughs) going a different direction, but I do want to share that. I think that this is important when we're looking for therapists, right? We have to find somebody that we can be seen and comfortable with and that equally, I think can impact just the quality of work that we can do with our clients. So,
1: I mean, I'm with you. I think that kind of piece of how my identity came into my work as a practitioner was like, do they see me? Yeah. You know, it's like, do I see them? And like, I think that it's probably just no accident that either of us like started working with the populations where we're on the same road, wow. <laughs> you know, it's like, I see you, I understand, I get that. And we will do this hand in hand. We will do this together. I remember, you know, I was mentioning earlier, I was part of my identity that has been a challenge for me to talk about and to embrace has been my queer identity and i think when a, i find whenever i get to work with someone who is going through their same kind of like what what is going on with my sexuality they're kind of asking those questions that we all would like we want to ask yeah like i am just like, keyed in, in, like, a different way, because I'm, like, yeah, it's, like, fresher, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, like, the other things, like, being a, being a high-achieving caregiver and all of those things, like, I feel very loving towards or, like, caring towards, but I, but I think, yeah, like, when it comes to, like, my identity and how it impacts like me as a practitioner when me working as a practitioner, I find that like, for example, example, my queerness, depending on the part of my identity, that's getting pinged. Yeah. However much healing I've been able to do kind of shows in my experience. Yeah. And, and like, I, I try to be really transparent about it too. It's like, I, <sighs> Like, and some of my, many of my clients are like further along down the same road that I'm still on, you know, is like, that's also a thing. So, um, so yeah, so I think in that way, I think what that bit in terms of having my identity come into work is like, it has me trying to be more humble, trying, trying, I, I say that with the greatest level of of like earnestness. It's like I try, and you know, I I'm still human, and I get caught up in like, oh, I know stuff, and then I'm like, no, I don't know. I know some of my stuff, not even all of my stuff. And I'm oh, literally wow. just here for like. I was talking to. I, I've been with this one client for like two years now. And we just talked yesterday, and we were talking about how we had been together working for two years. And they were like, like the previous conversation, we were talking about how great they were doing, and da, da da da. And so I brought up, as I do when that happens, like, oh, you know, the options are we figure out what's on the treatment plan next and where we're headed. Two, it's always an option to take a pause in therapy. So if you want to do that, you can. Uh, or three, if you decide to ghost me, I will understand that that is the best you could have done in that moment. And I don't want you to walk away feeling like, ah, oh, I did the shameful thing. I didn't tell her I was leaving, you know, it was like that kind of stuff. And they came into session yesterday and we were talking about them, you know, being rock stars in their work and their healing. And I was like, oh my God, it's been two years. And I was like, but wait a second. And this client of mine is in their thirties. I was like, but wait a second, that's two years of like 30 plus years of your life. Of course, I don't, you know, of course I don't know. So it was like one of those reminders, like ever present reminders of like, oh, I know this much. (laughs) Very, very small.
0: Yeah. And what I've really been trying to get comfortable with is this idea of uncertainty with Mm. all of the things that we know. Right. Because it's Mm -hmm. like, I know who my, I know who I am in this moment, but Mm. I've seen how much I've shifted and grown. And so I don't anticipate that I completely even know myself at this moment. And I welcome it though, because I'm like, I'm still continuing to learn about me, my interests as a clinician, my interests in our community, Mm -hmm. and how I can help. And Mm -hmm. you know, I just want to leave the door open for anything that might want to possibly come up, uh, like this podcast. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that if I go around with this idea of there is going to be uncertainty that I need to hold for myself, Mm -hmm. uh, it's something that I have my clients do, right? Like because. We're just so used to working from this frame of certainty to create yeah. safety. But it's like, well, wait a second. Yeah. If I control
1: all of the things, that still is not going to give me safety.
0: That's yeah. still not
1: going to give me anything. It's not going to give me do. that sense of like safety and security and all those senses that we're really after. Yes. Yes. Whereas I, so
0: I'm leaning on uncertainty because I want the trust to come from me and versus my control of like the things that I have going on around me. Mm-hmm. So That's just how I'm trying to move in my therapeutic space right now.
1: Yeah, you are. Oh. <laughs> Michelle. Again, I am so glad that we are talking because I feel like you and I align on a lot of different things. I mean, yeah. especially with this bit on a, in uncertainty, like I was actually, I was thinking about it this morning because I had, you know, I mentioned I did that talk with the the Chamber of Commerce the other night and I was like, yeah, on the 435th year of the Filipinos being in the United States, I did this service to my community and I was like proud of it, you know, I am proud of that. I am proud of serving my community (laughs) and I got checked today. (laughs) <laughs> on the fact that the Filipinos arriving in Moro Bay were also doing the work of the colonizers, you know? And it was like, aha, uh-huh. I have to acknowledge that complexity and that, you know, and that, not that I didn't know it. Like, I know I read it, you know? Yeah. It was like, I know I read that, you know, as a part of that colonizing effort in Moro Bay that there was uh, for whatever reason in what I've been reading, it was like an emphasis on one Filipino dying. You know, it was like one Filipino. I was like, was he doing something? (laughs) Like, what, What was he doing? But like, I didn't pause to think about that more. And so today I was like going through my social media and I was reading this thing and somebody was like really upset because they had been seeing a bunch of um a bunch of folks like me being like yeah it's like 435 years and they were like this pisses me off because we are literally <laughs> doing colonizers work but i think to me i was like huh that was like a a knowing but not really knowing like it, I knew it intellectually, like there was mm-hmm. some colonizing work happening. I did not know it deep down in my bones, like having that person express themselves and they're upset over what they were seeing. And I was like, "Oh, yeah, that is a complex I mean, like, I feel proud that there were Filipinos in the states. I do. I don't feel. It's like it's like doing the doing the work of well, uh, the colonizers, but then also being part of the colonized. Yeah, which is part of uh, the identity that I think we we all the Filipino Americans hold, and so that's really like I, I have a lot of mixed feelings because of it, and not like bad, but like just mixed feelings because I'm proud. And I'm like, I got to do better. You know, it's like all of it is there. But the uncertainty piece is like related for me to like not because I don't know which one to hold on to. Like, I think when when I know I'm like, oh, I hold on to that feeling. But like, I'm like, oh, but these are this is a lot. This is a lot of feeling that I'm having about it. So. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that this morning. And then also, I don't speak Tagalog. Do you speak Tagalog? I never ask. I can only understand it.
0: My my daughters actually know how to speak it better than I do. because <laughs> okay. I would, well, They were like doing some classes. I think they did classes yeah. for six months. But then it got okay. challenging because I don't speak it. So they would only hear it from my parents. So my parents mm. are like trying to quiz them. So it was like... I don't yeah. know if it was really worth it. I think I need to learn first before yeah. I really get them going again. But yeah, no, but I love, I love this exploration that you have because I think it is full of so much complexity, right? Like we're neither one thing or the other. We're usually somewhere in between
1: and mm-hmm. at varying degrees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, I, you know language wise i i, I brought up language cuz i i do I, I really don't right like but the only phrases that could come to my mind this morning were uh i go, or hindi kolam yeah and i was yeah. like that's it and i was like those are the only things that i that i know that i'm saying <laughs> other than like hello you know Well, you weren't taught any of the like well, it's, OK, so when
0: I was young and went to the yeah. Philippines, my yeah. cousins would teach me like the funny things to say to people like your feet smell I'm
1: like you want me to like, say this. But I didn't know <laughs> they're just like, say <laughs> this. And you're yes. like, da, 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 da. and they're like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> it's like this cousin that
0: you've never met in your life. Go ahead and insult them and say that they're happy.
1: So yeah, I know like the phrases and the, <laughs> the different insults that you could say. That is so good. No, no, that is not a not a joy that I knew. <laughs> I, I like, literally, I grew up with a bunch of other Filipinos, and not a thing we knew. I mean, like, we we do, like, insults, like, like ugly. Yeah. You know, it's like single-worded insults, (laughs) or fat, which was terrible. I mean, like, in the early, in the 90s, horrendous. And even now... My my husband was on a phone call last night and there was a Tita on the line. Yeah. And she just made this comment about somebody who's on the line, like, you're getting fat. You know? And I was like, whoa, that we need to get rid of that. Stop. <laughs> but but he was just like, he's taken about he's not Filipino, he's Arab Persian. And so he's like, Tita. And, like, didn't know how to navigate the conversation because he was like, that is, like, very, like, pointed what you're saying right now. So, thank you. Now I forget where I was going with this. Where are we going next, Michelle?
0: Oh, we are going to um, what you might want to share about your own mental health journey with the listeners.
1: Mm hmm. I, for a long time, I knew I had a lot of emotions going on, but I didn't always have the words for them, the English words for them, because there are certain emotional experiences that are also better communicated in Tagalog, for example, or in other languages or in other dialects. Um, I think that was a really hard Part for me growing up, I I've, uh, you know, just in terms of like things, different diagnoses, and I think over time we'll talk about how I feel about diagnoses. <laughs> um mm-hmm. probably, but, we probably feel the same way, you know. <laughs> um, but like diagnoses I've been given in the past, like I, I just for full on transparency, this is a big part of what feels important for me and i know for you to get to talk about in in our conversations is just like i've I've dealt with depression and anxiety and trauma and um and just just like suicidality i know that that has been a part of my lived experience and those things i think uh, gosh it, it like really it really makes me think like, I wish I had known more early on. And I guess that's also part of like, why I'm doing this with you is like, I want for there to be this dialogue happening out in the world so that people don't have to feel like, am I, what I'm going through? Is this normal? You know, like, is this a thing? Um, What is this called? It's not being too much. It's not being dramatic. It's not being like, like spoiled or lazy or whatever, any of those connotations that get assigned to really difficult mental health experiences. I, I really, I really want to say like to folks about, so about my own mental health journey, the language of it, finding how, how to communicate it to other people has been really important to me um, and important in my healing. And it's something I still live with. So it's like, uh, and I'll talk about that probably more in the future, but like it is something that I still live with. So I think it's very much like, <clears throat> it's very much still here. It's not a thing of the past and we can live with our stuff um, and live well with our stuff. So that's what I want to tell folks. You were mentioning languaging,
0: right? Like languaging, Mm -hmm. like being able to like express what it is you were feeling. I'm curious, was that part of your experience growing up though? Like, did your family speak
1: about emotions? No. Oh, no. Okay. Just just check it. Our best word for all emotion was weird. It was Mm -hmm. like, I feel weird. I feel weird, but like I had to decode what that meant for myself, for my family members, for my mom, for my dad, you know, it was just like, oh, I just feel weird. And even today it's like, oh, I feel not good. You know, it's like, that's like the step, the baby step that they've taken that like my family has taken. It's like, I don't feel good for certain members of my family. Some of my family members are quite good, but it is... It's like a lifelong thing of like, I feel weird. And I think also part of what shaped me to being able to like recognize that I, oh, I can kind of read these things or I can kind of pick up on these things. Like, even if I don't know what it's called, I know that something is happening. Like emotionally, something is happening. And I don't don't know. I wonder, I, I don't know, actually, but I'll try to pay attention. I think I still sometimes use the word weird default. Yeah. It was like a default <laughs> funky. I, I, I think I was like baby step funky. What would you want to share with anybody listening about your own mental health journey? Yeah. So, uh,
0: my, my mental health journey started pretty young. I mean, I, I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um Super rebellious teenager. I definitely wasn't the perfect kid. I was the one that uh was trying to figure it out because my brother was the perfect one. Like
1: mm-hmm. listened,
0: mm-hmm. um perfect grades, teachers loved him. And then mm-hmm. here I am like having a difficult time with math, like for example. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just, I, like, I felt like I was always getting in trouble. I felt like. I felt like I couldn't figure it out I felt like something was going on that there was something wrong with me and I just couldn't figure it out so Mm -hmm. again you know it's pretty rebellious and Mm -hmm. um, I was really just trying to figure out where and how I belonged Mm -hmm. so that was kind of complicated though because um, you know luckily my parents supported me going into therapy I think they had Mm -hmm. enough of like my rebellion and and, and when I talk about rebellion I'm talking about like I ran away from home like Mm -hmm. I would do like these wild things and so it was yeah, after yeah. I ran away from
1: what was that no I no I am I'm like oh yeah no I I, I I'm I'm with you I, yes. I I have but I I immediately I was like oh yeah I ran away but it was really lame <laughs> like I ran away but I was it was lame for me <laughs> <laughs> like I ran away to my friend's house but not to their house like to the front of their house and like slept on their bench outside their house but that's still a way so it we're still go. away, and yes. I I ran away and I I hacked through a bush. I just want to tell you these things because I want you to know me. <laughs> but I like I, love it. I went down the street and there was a big bush, and like I just hacked away at it and like created a little cove for myself.
0: I am totally getting the Homer Simpson going into a bush visual. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, before my time. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Okay, sorry, so sorry. I was no, no, I was just like agreeing so hard that I just you know couldn't help it. Oh yeah, so like I ran away,
0: ran away. Mm -hmm. Like I actually got on an airplane, went across the country. Hey. It was, was right. So then (laughs) my parents, I guess were like, well, I guess all we can do now is send her to therapy. We don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when I went to see a therapist, so I had a, I don't know, they were probably like this middle-aged lady and knowing nothing of our culture. Right. Mm. So it was like, well, why don't you have boundaries? Why don't you have your own space? You need to talk to your parents about this. I was like, Oh, this lady's trying to get me killed. Like, I didn't, I couldn't understand the things that she was trying to tell me. But all they did was build up shame about how I was viewing me and culture.
1: Yeah. Right. So then
0: it was like, oh, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my family. Like, we're supposed to have boundaries, we're supposed to, like, you know, not be collectivist or any of those things. Like yeah. I should be able to be independent in how I own thoughts, which, yeah, I mean, those are all great things. But when you're a 16 year old that doesn't know shit about the world, hearing mm-hmm. how you need to talk to your parents about boundary setting, oh no, like all it did was just drop me down into shame. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that was, I think the catalyst of depression, anxiety, there was Mm -hmm. multiple traumas to be experienced as well. And it was just kind of like, I went into the field because I was like, I need to figure out why I am the way that I am. Because for the longest time, I was like, what is wrong with me? Right. Yeah. So it was like, what is wrong with me? Maybe if I study about how people are supposed to be, I could figure out how mm. I could be better mm. and I can mm-hmm. figure out what was wrong with me. Uh, so yeah, I yeah. went into the field of very like no culture. So that's what I was saying. Like sure. that, like, like that blank sure. slate piece. It was like, yeah. I didn't even know how I could incorporate it to now. I'm like, yeah, let's bring in culture because it's like imperative yeah it's imperative so, it's just part of who we are exactly it's like there's no way to separate it so mm-hmm. but before again because it was like oh i could i could compartmentalize like nobody's mm-hmm. business. i knew how to shut down identities like nothing else i still have that ability if i'm going to be re- oh, oh yeah, yeah yeah
1: it was like code switching queens Exactly <laughs> right. So it's like yeah. I know that I still hold hold all of those
0: things, but oh, totally. I know for me it was like I had to just I had to have answers. So again, there's that uncertainty. Oh like, yeah, thought, like, yeah. Oh, if I had the answers, if I have the knowledge, I can figure out
1: what's wrong. Oh yeah, yeah. It it was like such a yeah. I hear that. I really resonate with what you were saying about like going to school and like feeling like I was learning humans I was learning people I was learning like how to function as a like and like there are beautiful bits of nuggets that I have gleaned from my private education from my trainings all of those things but I think what none of it did right like is is like value the experiences and the upbringings and the lessons that I gleaned not from school mm-hmm. about how to be a good human and about how to be a healthy human. And that for me as a Filipino woman, a big part of me being healthy is my family. Yeah. You know, and like like I get that there are certain family members or family dynamics that can make things like it's okay to not be connected to them. But like there, for me, I think this idea of boundaries has, I think you and I have talked about this, but this idea of boundaries has had to be different than the Western idea of boundaries. Yes, definitely. Like very, very different. And it has had to be much more flexible. Um because, you know, it, the complexity of like the relationship between like me and my mom, you know, my mom had a really contentious relationship and uh, physically and emotionally and verbally abusive, you know, it was like, it's like a, she, uh, she's still my mom. I still love the shit out of her. I still appreciate everything that she did. And there are things about my experience with her that I really wish didn't happen. And I really wish we didn't have to deal with and I'm still, you know, there are parts of me talking about like my little younger parts, you mm-hmm. know, that are still mad at her for it, you know. And so I think that there's <clears throat> it's really, uh, really helpful. I, I I, don't know. I think it was really helpful and insight, insightful for me to hear you talk about like going into trying to understand, going into school, trying to understand yourself was like, was important. But also at some point you realize like it wasn't all of it.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And that was the whole thing of like, when I had that first experience in therapy as mm-hmm. a teenager to think mm-hmm. like, wow, everything that my family is doing is wrong. Cause you know, you're, you just don't know enough to challenge these things. And this yeah. is a professional quote unquote For that sure. they're supposed to know what's up, but they're telling me everything that I know is wrong. So then yeah. it's like, well, if everything that I know is wrong, let me get all the right answers. And it wasn't definitely from like, asking parents or doing any of those things because it was like, well, no wait, they're part of the reason why I think I think why I think everything is wrong. So Yeah. What is the truth? What is what is
1: up? Like, what's oh my going god! On here? <laughs> I had such a little jerk perception of my parents because of because of just that. I would yeah. be like, oh yeah, and like of of anybody in my Filipino community. And I apologize for this. This was like not okay, but like I was just like, ah, you don't know, but I know. And I was like, oh, like thinking about that now, like makes me like, Ugh. like makes me want to go. Ugh. Because it's just like, no, like I, I knew some things. I, I think the, what is it? What is that word? The arrogance of that, the arrogance of, of the, that sort of white supremacist adaptation of mental health. Yes. Like I, I really, uh, I mean, I have regrets because of course I've been a a, a perpetrator of it. But like, I also am like, again, like I have also been a recipient of it. So it's like, it's, it's a very, this is really, I mean, it's really complicated. A lot of feelings, a lot of complicated feelings about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And here we are to sort of through all of it, right? Yeah. Together.
1: <laughs> exactly. Or some of it. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Uh, we don't have enough time you know I was (laughs) like so we're gonna be retiring together (laughs) exactly Exactly. yeah Yeah. but so what brought you into the field um I think it was I I had you know I had gone in I was at UC Santa Cruz and I was a an intern at like different organizations and I was just kind of trying to find my place in terms of like, I didn't want to be a nurse, you know, It's was like, I, mm-hmm. I knew uh, I was with you, like, I am still basically allergic to math, you know, like, I was like, that is not going to be my path. Mm-hmm. So I had to find my path. And, uh, you know, I tell this story to folks, because I feel like it's a, it's, it feels I mean, it's just real of my story, but like, I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be a performer. Yeah. And, and I did a lot of that in like in high school and stuff. And then of course my family at the time and being that I, I wanted to please a lot. I was like, Oh yeah. So I wanted to be a performer. And my family was like, well, you know, if you're not going to do nursing, you can perform anytime. So why don't you do something more practical and then you could do singing on the side, and I was like, okay, you know, it was like there that kind of like, like per, but like I was like, yeah, this is what my mom and dad want me to do. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it. Um, found my way to studying sociology and understanding, like, oh, there is some, some like understanding of humans that is happening here, and I'm like, I appreciated. Now I know it's be also related to me as being Filipino American, but like the uh, the part about sociology that I loved so much was that it was like person in context. It wasn't yeah. person in isolation, yeah. mm-hmm. and so it like made sense to me. I took a, I, I think I tried to take a psych class once, and I, I just dropped it. I, I was like, oh no, like that's not, I I, I can't do that. Um, but sociology made a lot of sense to me. And so I went off and like I was, I was just kind of looking at my, like my colleagues or my fellow students, um, classmates and stuff. And they were doing internships. Of course, I'm thinking they were probably with it. I don't remember if they were or not, but like I'm probably, I was probably like watching them, like, what are you doing? Like, how do you do this? Um, And they were doing internships. So I was like, okay, so let me find an internship. I found internships at a domestic violence shelter, I, or organization um, and Big Brothers Big Sisters in Capitola. Um, And I was just meeting social workers. um, And I was like, these people are cool as shit. I just thought they were cool humans.
0: Mm-hmm. And like
1: cool humans, like they knew they didn't know everything. And they were curious, you know, and they were um in leadership positions and in clinical positions and in teaching positions. And I was like, cool. I remember one of my intern supervisors. She was this, uh, this uh, white woman from the Midwest, I think, but she had this, hobby that I could I remember being like that is so cool she was a scuba diver like aside from being a social worker for this organization she was a scuba diver and like did it like every weekend or something like that and like the work-life balance allure of the social workers that I was meeting was strong so I was like okay I'll do social work and like like my concept of social work up until that point was like, these are the folks who take kids away, you know? And, and so like, it was helpful to me to understand that there was more. <laughs> um, so that's, yeah. that's ultimately, and I talk, I remember talking to the women in that office and asking them like, what do you think? Like, do I, should I do this route or that route or doctorate or da da da? you know? And they were like, do social work. Like you, you can do what you want. Like if you want to teach, you'll teach. If you want to lead an organization, you can lead an organization. If you want to do private practice, you can. And I was like, okay. (laughs) It's like, again, that, that kind of like appeasing. Yes. Yes. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, and then I applied, I, uh, which I'm gonna call, I, Applied to a bunch of schools, Michigan, S- uh, some other schools in California, and Columbia. And Columbia was really like my um, hat over the fence school, and I was like, I don't know, I'm gonna it. I'm just gonna I'm just put it over there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I kid you not, like I remember driving home from one of my jobs after after undergrad. I was working at an assisted living. I was driving home. And like, of course, wasn't supposed to be, but I picked up my phone and I looked and I saw I had an email from Columbia. Yes. Yeah. I immediately pull over and I read it and I just start screaming. (laughs) I was just like, Um, and so I think, and there was like a number, there was the other reason why Columbia was attractive was because it was in New York and I had I had a dream. I think it was partially related to wanting to be a performer, though. It was like being in New York. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. wanted to be in New York. And Columbia was was that. So, like, I went there. And that's how I got into, like, social work as a field. So, yeah. What about you? Yeah. So, uh, I wish I
0: had a really cool story about, like, the school that I got into. But, <laughs> honestly, like... <laughs> So I was I was one of those people that I did school like my one year my one gap year turned into like a decade mm. gap space I guess you could uh. say Right. Uh And so I was really just looking to get into a program that uh, I could finish my my bachelor's first. Mm -hmm. And as I was doing that program, I was like, okay, I'm just going to get like my psychology degree. That's great. Mm -hmm. And um, but the thing was, like, I was already a parent. So I had I had like an infant and I was like, I just need something that I can get into and I can do work Um, from home. And so I had this hybrid program that I was in. Mm-hmm. And then my uh, application process to get into grad school was so freaking basic. I mean, it was like, do you want to be a therapist? Tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you want to do in the field? Okay, you're in. I was like, okay, that's easy.
1: <laughs> you're like, and I'm in. Yes. I love it. And
0: it was like, okay, you just want my money. Okay, that's great. Well, either way, I mean, I still,
1: I, I mean, think either I way, learn. they just want your money, honey. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. But I mean, it had like great flexibility because when I got into my grad program, it was like, okay, I, I had my, and my infant, uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and then we, well, actually she was, she was a toddler at that point. And then and then I was pregnant. So then I started my grad program pregnant. So it was just, it was a whole thing. I was like, I need to try to figure this out. I need to try to figure some sort of career. Yeah. Uh, like I was really interested when I was taking my undergrad in psychology, because of course, mm. like the first class, like one of the first most memorable classes was psychopathology, mm. which is mm. basically like all the things that could possibly be, you know, quote unquote, wrong with a person, which yeah. I thought I had every single one. I, you know, like I was like,
1: oh, I'm going to <laughs> Oh yeah they are like, this. oh, I like, have oh, that feature no. and that feature <laughs> yes. I was like, oh, no, now here's another thing. So but so that I thought that this was
0: the route that I was going to go on um, before going back to school. I was a um, like a general store manager, mm-hmm. like it was a complete shift in. In careers, Like I was a general store manager for Sephora. So I did that for, you know, a good chunk of time. But the one thing that I really loved about that job is they cared a lot at that point. I don't know how it is now, but they cared a lot about development of people. And so I would have to like work with my employees on looking at roadblocks and how do we overcome these different challenges? And so I just thought, okay, this is a natural fit. So again, it's like this idea that I'm going to help guide and direct people while also seeing what I can do to fix myself so and it just just kind of fit and I was like all right this is this is kind of where where I think I'm gonna go I mean I ran away I shouldn't say I ran away from the field like after my practicums I ran away Uh from the field for like a year because I was like oh this is too intense like I have to like be responsible to Mm. help people and Mm. I can't even freaking help myself like oh Mm. no but then I got my like I got my ass in gear and I was like wait a second I can't expect myself to be perfect in this role because that's not real. Like mm-hmm. what kind of human is that, that has all of their shits together at like any given point. Right. Oh so, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a good learning to see like what was going to help people the most, I think was relationally the way that I was going to show up in space. And so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I came back. i ran yeah. away for a long time. Fear is, fear is oh.
2: a big right? Yeah. Oh my God. That is so real. I, I am
1: so proud of younger you. I mean, I mean that in the least like least condescending way possible, but like, I'm like, listen to your, listen to yourself. Yourself is saying not right now, buddy. (laughs) It's like, Mm -hmm. I will definitely acknowledge that the fear was present for me, but I just straight up ignored it like I was just like, mm-mm, 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 no we're gonna mm-mm, you know, and like I drilled mm-hmm. down and that had its own kind of outcomes <laughs> it's like, oh no wonder, no wonder I got traumatized in my first job like it's like that is yeah. it's like like the ignore the ignoring part I think is something that I uh. I know that I had done so when I heard you say like yeah I got scared and I just like left I was like yes Mm -hmm. and like good on you and it came back eventually to it you didn't have to come back you know you know like but you found something that you could latch on to it sounds like yeah I think and
0: I think I needed to leave to know myself better because at that point like all I knew was how to please people in everything, mm. and mm-hmm. so it was like that time away I mean, not obviously you can't learn everything in just a short amount of time, but I think mm-hmm. that it really unlocked and accelerated a lot of the learning that I have now,
1: yeah, yeah, okay, cool, and where I, I mean, I wonder, I know that we're rounding out our time, yeah um where what's the last? thing we've got here that we were gonna talk about. I was Oh, we were looking at so why the podcast? Oh, why the podcast? Mm. Okay. Mm. Oh you why don't you start us off? Why yeah. why are you doing the podcast, Michelle?
0: You know, I, I think that there's still gonna be a lot of selfish reason in why I'm doing this podcast in that I think that there's so much growth and richness that can just come from conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, but also because I really wish that this was a resource that was available when I was growing up, because maybe Mm -hmm. I would have like not shamed myself so much for being different. Um, maybe I wouldn't have engaged in like all of the negative self-talk. Maybe I could have treated my perfectionism earlier. Maybe I could have like created a right relationship with myself if I knew that other people might be sharing some of the same feelings and experiences mm-hmm. as as I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that this is more so like a gift to my younger self mm-hmm. uh, of, you know, it wasn't available then. Yeah. How can we help and reach others now?
1: Totally. Totally. I share that, like, you know, wanting it for a younger version of me um I definitely you know like I I'm so glad you talked about the selfish reasons for wanting this podcast it's like yeah I wanna I want talk <laughs> talk about mental health I talk about mental health all day every or like most days you know <laughs> but it's like it, it's just fun like I I want to talk about mental health it's what I think about and also like another selfish thing is like You're my colleague. You're my friend. I want to hang out with you and talk. Oh, (laughs) I want Cynthia time. I'm so selfish, you know, I want Cynthia time. (laughs) Uh, And and like, I think, you know, I think this, this, so what I'm about to say kind of comes with a lot of background around working with my sense of imposter syndrome. Yeah. But I, I have things to say And I want to say them. And like, that has not been something like another, this is another selfish reason, but that has not been like a sort of go-to for me until recently. And and like, I feel like if I can say, it's kind of like, for me, my healing becomes, I can say, (laughs) like I can talk, Mm -hmm. I can take up space. Um, But then like, it also... I am finding that the more that I say, the more that I share, like it's actually resonating with people. So I'm like, yeah, like, let me keep doing that. Um, I think I mentioned to you when we were talking about talking about doing this, that I was like, yeah, I want us to be like the athes, the athes who people turn to because they, they know mental health because of their personal experience, but they also know mental health because they've been trained. Yeah. You know, it's like that it's like both. Um, so, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think uh, it just felt like a continuation of the work that I wanted to do too, of like destigmatizing, normalizing mental health dialogue. Um, I know that you and I, like any consultation or anytime, you know, you and I just like hop on a Zoom for a little bit, like we talk and it is so fun and it is so enriching for me. Like, I'm just like, yeah, like, This sounds fun. Um, And, and yeah, and I think I've got a lot to, I I get the sense like we're on the same road in terms of decolonialization decolonialization around mental health. And I see the journey you're on and I want to be on that road. And I want to like, I feel like I've got a lot to learn and I feel like we Like, I certainly feel like I could learn that with you. We're going to learn together Mm -hmm. because, you know,
0: there's, there's so much to learn. But even everything you were saying in terms of imposter syndrome, I have to share, like, even as I was getting ready to log into Zoom, I had to convince myself. I was like, you know your story. No one's going to question your story because it's your story and you should share it. And I'm like, I'm <laughs> talking to myself because my nervous system was like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, right? But it's like, it's so true that these are the things that we encounter because we're not we're not accustomed to taking the space that we can and that we should take up right and so when we have like this people-pleasing tendency like we're not used to centering ourselves in conversations Mm -hmm. so it's like already threatening of like what are we doing but that's hard to convince ourselves nah, we gotta do this we're gonna do this (laughs) we're gonna do
1: this and we're gonna we're gonna do it together because yes we're in it (laughs) Uh, yes because I think each of us independently like wanted to do some kind of podcast I think right yeah and then like I was like I am not going to do this by myself I cannot like I I need like I mean just like I've shared with you like I I've needed our Philippinex consultation group Mm -hmm. I needed my Filipina partner clinician partner to do this with so I'm really appreciative and I'm grateful for you and I I'm so excited about doing this with you
0: I'm. The feeling is mutual. Do you think everyone's gonna get tired of us like totally gushing over each other? (laughs) Because
1: I I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, like, it's some good stuff. I mean, like, I really. uh, I don't know if they do. You know. Yeah. I will send some love their way too. Is it a sorry? Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. it's like I don't know it's so good it's so good I and I I really thank you for or er, er, like saying that and thank you for like accepting the gush because I I gush I'm a gusher mm-hmm. that sounded weird but I am a gusher
0: <laughs> I love it I love it though <laughs> but like if we were in the same space I'd be like right next to you and I'd be like hugging on you and be like, okay let's do it <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. Would you guys would you believe that you and I have never met in person? It's wild. We met during the pandemic. Yeah. Virtually and still. <laughs> mm-hmm. virtual.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. That is wild to me. I mean, I feel like I've been in your company a bunch of times. hmm. Oh, like we just know each other. Like, yeah, we know each other. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm.
2: Is that Kapwa? Is that Kapwa? <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Ask Your Authiz. I'm Cynthia Ciadot, along with Michelle Mercado-Martinez, and we hope you'll join us next time as we continue our discussions about Filipinx mental health. We loved making this episode for all of you in our community, and we want to hear from you. What questions do you have about mental health? Feel free to email them to us at askyourautispodcast at gmail.com. Last but not least, we could not do this alone and would like to thank our community of partners for their support for this podcast. To Archie of Filipino Fridays podcast for her work editing and producing this much needed resource for our community. To Danny Martinez for creating our beautiful graphic and Fahed Ciudad for composing our wonderful music. Thank you again for listening. We love and appreciate you all.